Well, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to start a brand new series today. It's called Staying in Love. And whether you are not in a relationship, whether you hope to be in a relationship, whether you are in a relationship, my hope is that there's something here for all of us. Um, because whether or not we're in a relationship ourselves, um, you might one day be, or the, the, the given is that you're going to know some folks who would benefit by living out some of these principles we're going to be looking at. So my hope is that everyone's going to find something here that's helpful, um, either for yourself or, or, or somebody you know. Well, as we launch this series, I want to start by playing a little game. Ready to play a little game? <laughs> What's the game? <laughs> well, here's the game. It's really simple. It's called Who Lasted Longer? Who Lasted Longer is the name of this game. I'm going to put some celebrity couples up on the screen <laughs> who were married. And we'll contrast uh, uh, two different couples who were married for a period of time. And uh, all you have to do is guess who lasted longer. So here we go. I, I don't think any, we might have had one person who went three for three, maybe. No Googling, no, 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 uh, no cheating here. All right, we got a basketball motif here for the first set of couples. We've got Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian. They were married. And then we have uh, Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. How many of you think that Chris and Kim lasted longer than Carmen and Electra? Uh, and Dennis, all right, how about who thinks Dennis and Carmen last longer? All right, the correct answer is Kim Kardashian and, uh, and Chris lasted 72 days and uh, Carmen and uh, Dennis only lasted nine. There's a shocker, huh? All right, we got a couple more here. Now this one, you, this is going to be tougher because we've got, um, uh, we're going back into the archives on this. Uh, on one side of the screen, we've got Britney Spears. And anyone know that guy's name? Jason Alexander, all right? I believe that was her first marriage. So you've got Britney Spears and Jason Alexander. Then going all the way back to the days of the silver screen, we have Rudolph, the Latin lover, Valentino, and a person who's married to, I don't know how to pronounce the last name for sure, but Gene Acker. Anyone know? And if you did, you probably wouldn't admit it, right? Okay, so we've got two couples up here. How many think that Britney and Jason lasted longer? All right, how many think that Rudolph and Gene lasted longer? All right, here are the answers. Here we go. We've got... <laughs> we've got Brittany and Jason lasting two days, and we've got Rudolph lasting six hours. According to the news reports, uh, they got married. She went to the honeymoon suite, locked him out, and that was that. All right, we've got one more couple for you. Anyone two for two so far? Anyone two for two? We've got one... We've got two... two. Well, you were here last hour, though, but I wasn't listening... You weren't... Okay, we got another... All right, so here you go. Last one has a Lisa Marie Presley motif. Um, we've got a marriage between Lisa Marie Presley and Nicolas Cage, and we have a marriage between Lisa Marie Presley and Michael Jackson. Who thinks that the marriage with Nicolas Cage lasted longer? All right, how about Michael Jackson lasting longer? And the answer is... It was close. But the uh, Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie made it all the way to nine months and uh, Nicholas and Lisa Marie only made it three. Well, you know, we, we could go on and on with this, couldn't we? Um, it is not hard to find Hollywood couples that did not go the distance. Not hard at all. In fact, it's kind of a standing joke um, with Hollywood marriages that, that they don't last, don't, don't last very, very long, which I find ironic because even though Hollywood couples don't last very long, many people would say that the notion of a happily ever, married, happily ever after marriage it's a Hollywood concept. There are a lot of people who would say, you know, marriages, that whole idea of happily ever after, it just doesn't happen. 
And by that, nobody's trying to claim that any marriage is ever going to be without problems. Nobody in their wildest dreams um, is going to think that everything's always going to be easy. So no one's saying that. But more and more people seem to be saying the, the notion that you could even finish well is just a dream. And one of the reasons people are saying that is that they've never seen it. A lot of people have never seen a great relationship that went the distance. You know, a whole lot of people have seen a relationship that was um, where there was abuse. A lot of people have seen that. A lot of people have seen a relationship where there was lots of neglect, where it was almost as if the spouse, one spouse, was just taken for granted. A lot of people have um, have seen relationships where husband and wife they're they're constantly at each other, needling one another and saying sarcastic comments almost constantly. Uh, a lot of folks, a lot of folks have seen the husband or the wife leave. Just leave. A lot of people have seen that. A lot of people have seen um, a marriage where it appears as though one partner is more excited about their job than the marriage or a hobby than the marriage or, um, or TV than the marriage. And so when people have this experience, when this is what they've seen, a lot of people say, well, happily ever after? That's just in the movies. It doesn't happen in real life. We've never seen it. At least that's what many people would say, well, the reason that I hold out hope is because I believe the Bible says we can hold out hope. That marriage can be so much more. So much more. And I, and I don't say that as just somebody who is supposed to say that. Because what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to tell truth to you. I'm supposed to speak truth. When it's hard, when it's great, I'm supposed to speak truth to you. And, and I look at the scriptures and I see that the truth is that not just in marriage, but our relationships as Christians, it's supposed to be something amazing. If you have your Bibles, open with me. I want to show you something. Um, it's a passage that you can find in the book of John, chapter 17. Now, if you don't have a, a Bible at home, we would love for you to have one for free. We have a stack of them right there at the welcome table. Please just, just take one. You don't have to write anything. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to give a donation. Just please um, accept it as a gift. Now, I want to give a little bit of background because I know that a lot of folks haven't had a chance to yet or haven't taken the chance to, to really read through the scriptures. Uh, this section that we're going to look at right now, it comes from a passage that, that, that some people refer to as Jesus' high priestly prayer. Where this falls in sequence is Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be convicted and killed and crucified. And right on the eve of that, he's meeting together with his closest disciples they, they share a meal, and, and Jesus demonstrates amazing servanthood. We did look at that together. And then he begins to pray, and he prays for himself. He prays for the disciples who are in that room, and then he goes on to pray for all who would trust in Jesus. And this is where we pick up in John chapter 17, starting with verse 20. It says this, and he's praying to God the Father. He says, I don't ask for these only, referring to the people in that room at the time, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be, say it with me, one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and that I love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, that they may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. 
Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you've sent me. I made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, a little more context here. Unfortunately, there's a whole lot of revisionism that goes on when it comes to Christian history. And one of the things that, that people tout over and over and over again is this period of time in which Christians were in governmental power. But what they frequently leave out is Christianity started as a persecuted minority, an extremely persecuted minority. And why that's significant, I think, with this passage is on a very surface level. On a very surface level, you look at this and you said, well, of course this makes sense that Jesus would talk about solidarity because these people were a, were a persecuted minority. And, and when you're a persecuted minority, it's important to stick together. It's important to stick together. But these words go so far beyond that, so far beyond just, just sticking together because times are going to get tough. This is an invitation, and it's a profound invitation. It's an invitation to experience, and this is not, this is married and single, young and old, uh, the, the whole deal. Men and women, this is an invitation to experience the profound unity that has an eternally existed between the Father and the Son. We could spend a month on that, couldn't we? There's an invitation here by Jesus to, to experience this profound and eternal love and respect and honor that Jesus had with his Father. There's an invitation for us to experience that. And not to experience unity just with God, but with each other. A profound oneness with one another. Again, young and old, male and female, married and single, we're invited to experience a relationship with God and his people that is so life-giving and so remarkable that when the world looks at us, that is the primary thing that they see. That is the primary identification that they see among us that we have in common. Look at the way they love their God. Look at the way they love each other. That is to be the primary mark of who we are. This, these remarkable relationships. That's the invitation. And it's an invitation, it's a relationship that we see the early church trying to live out. They said, we're going to believe this. We're going to choose to believe this. We're going to try to live this out in God's power. And here's a passage that we, we, we intersect this frequently with all kinds of teachings because it's a very significant passage. But here through the lens of, of us trying to become a people living this out, here's, here's a passage out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted, meaning these early believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which was the teaching of Jesus, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed they were together, they had all things in common, they were selling their possessions, belongings, distributed proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the number day by day those being saved. This was a remarkable community. This was a community, imagine this, this was a community where everyone who would be willing to work was without need. Imagine that. Imagine if we became a people where anyone who was willing to work, there was no need. Because we took care of that for each other. Imagine a community, and this was the case for these folks, where anyone who didn't isolate themselves would find love. You know, anytime you isolate yourself, all bets are off. But anyone, anyone in this community who would, would put themselves out there, they would be surrounded by others who would welcome them in. What a, what a community. 
What a community. And that's what this early church tried to do. And, that, and, and this is what they were created for. This is what we are created for. This kind of community. Some have a greater felt need for it than others, but we're all created to know and be known, to love and be loved like that. And here's where we're going. Here's the time with marriage. Of all the relationships that, 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 that there are out there, parent to child, mentor to disciple, friend to friend, all of those were to experience this unity, but there's one that the Bible singles out as the most intimate of all, and that's Christian marriage. That's Christian marriage, a marriage between a man and a woman. It was designed by God to be the most intimate of all. Consider the strength of the language that Jesus himself uses here in uh, the book of Matthew. It's at least as recorded in the book of Matthew in verse 19. Again, this is a passage almost every time we talk on marriage, we intersect because it's so significant. Because Jesus, here, he's, 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 they're, they're trying to trap him. They're trying to trap him by, by giving his opinion on divorce. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to play that game. Let's not talk about divorce. Let's talk about marriage. Marriage as God intended it. Let me point you to that. Let me point you towards that. And so he says this. Pharisees come up to Jesus. They test him by saying, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Jesus doesn't play their game. He answers, hey, have you not read? That he who created them from the beginning, he made them male and female. He said, therefore, and now he's quoting the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. That in, and, and you need to know, if you're, if you're not a person who's, who's read the Bible a lot, does the Bible stress our relationship with our parents? Yes. Does it stress honoring your parents? Yes. I'm rereading the Old Testament. What was the penalty if you cursed your parents? death. So, does the Bible uphold the value of honoring, respecting your parents? Yes. What does it do to marriage? Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two will become one flesh. They're no longer two. They are one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. What an amazing vision that God paints. He paints this vision of a community of men and women, of, of young and old, where we're loving each other in this uncommon unity. We're caring for each other. We're, we're, we're treating each other with honor and respect. All people, all believers are doing that. And then he adds this, this vision about marriage. Actually, he recasts it. Jesus recasts a vision that God had from the beginning, the relationship that, that shares a greater bond even than these others. Two people who join to form a new family for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, till death do him part. We long for this. We don't, if you long for it because of what you've seen in the movies, there's a deeper longing within you that comes from God. At least for most, most people, this, this deep longing. This is why today is, this series is so painful for so many people. So painful for those who one day hope to be married because they, there's something in them that longs for this. So so painful for those who've lost a spouse because you're like, oh, how I long for that. So painful for, for people who are not experiencing what, what the Bible says marriage could be. And, and you need to know this is not going to be a three weeks where you come and get beat up. You need to hear that loud and clear. This is not going to be a time where you're going to come and, oh, you should do this and you should do this, you should do this. If anything, as we're going to look at where our culture is and what God says is possible, it's a, it's a miracle that any of us, that anyone can go even go the distance, you know, more than 72 days. It is a miracle. And so rather than just beating folks up, what, what, what I want to do 
I want to point you to Jesus. I want to point you to his words. I want, I want to point this vision he has and what he says is possible and, and how he says we can get there if God has that for you. And also to point into these words that we could be life-giving, that God could use you to, to share with others, maybe the younger generation, maybe, maybe friends, um, maybe people who are on the verge of making a terrible mistake, whatever the case may be. There's, there's something here for, for all of us. Something here for all of us. Because most people long for a relationship that, that doesn't just last for a while. Most people long for a relationship that doesn't just technically stay married. Um, most people, don't, they long for, for the relationship that maybe you have seen at a donut shop where a little old man comes in and a little lady come in with their walkers. And they come up and they're smiling and he's holding the door for her and she's saying thank you. And she walks in and, and he can order for her and she can order for him and they sit down at the table and they're holding hands and people look and go, wow. I want to still have teeth, but I hope I have <laughs> that relationship that they have, you know, as they, yeah, I, I, that wasn't in my notes and for good reason that wasn't in my notes, but... But, we, but, 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 but to have that, to long for that, to go the distance. Now, he, here's the thing. As much as we long for that, there will be a part of you, and this is why you're not going to get beat up because this is in every one of us. There will be a part of you, a selfish part of you, that wants to torpedo this dream as you go, of sailing off into the sunset. There's a part of you, a selfish part of you, that wants to torpedo that dream. And what's, what's so ironic about that is that that selfish part of you that tries to torpedo that dream is actually working against your self-interest. Because it is in your self-interest to have a relationship like that, if that's what God calls you to. And the selfish part of you will keep you from that under the guise of selfishness. Uh, this should make more sense as we continue on. Um, please write this down, though, as, as we now press into this, this, this idea. It has never been easier to fall in love. We'll talk about what that means in a second. But it is as hard as it's ever been to stay that way. And that selfish part of you is going to attack that second part. It's never been easier to fall in love. Never been easier to, to get a crush on somebody. Never been easier to, to get a crush on somebody. Falling in love is easy. You don't have to try. You don't have to try. You don't have to try to, for, to find yourself, quote, in love. You don't have to try to, to get a crush on somebody. I tried to think back to, to my earliest memories of when do, when do I think I had my first crush? And I, I'm not positive, but I think my first crush was on a celebrity. Her name is Barbara Eden. And it, it was, uh, uh, and it was a TV show called I Dream of Jeannie. I'll date myself. I, and, and I was too little. I was too little to know why when she appeared on the TV screen, I, I really was a little more in, intent on watching the TV show. Um, but, but there was something, something there that, that, that made me, um, my heart beat a little bit, bit faster. <laughs> and, and it's, what, what, what's different about our society now, among other things, is that I used to have to wait a week for the show to come back on. Today, you can watch, any, anyone who makes your heart go like this, any celebrity, you can find them 24-7, right? And, and girls used to have to wait a month until the newest edition of Tiger Beat magazine came out. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, you won't admit it, but you had a poster of Scott Bayo in your room. All right. <laughs> Even fewer people got that. That's all right. We're having fun. Those of us who did. Um, and there'll be other times we'll let you in under inside jokes. All right? Just Google Scott Bayo and you'll see what we mean. Okay, so what was I talking about? Oh, marriage. Um, and so 
So, but, but now you don't have to wait a month, girls. You know, if there's someone that makes your heart beat a little bit, you can, you can find pictures, you can find clips, you can find all these things all the time. So with celebrities, it's never been easier. If there's someone that makes your heart beat faster, it's never been easier to, 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 um, to get that heart going. All right? Well, what's true of celebrities is somewhat true of people as well. You know, if you were to go back even a couple generations, you didn't have as many options as, as we have. You, you didn't meet as many people that could possibly make your heart go like this as you now do. You know, you, you, you probably went to a school that's smaller than a lot of these schools. You, 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 you probably were much less mobile, even a couple generations than we were, and you weren't encountering as many people. And you got, what is it, 1,500 different companies where if you give them some money, they will try to help you connect with somebody, Right? So it's never been easier to, to be in a situation where you're going to find yourself, your heart beating faster, the, the, what they call in love phase. And it's a real thing. It's documented. It's a real deal that happens to people, this in love infatuation type people. So all of us, you know, all of us, we're equipped to fall in love. All you need for that is a pulse, right? But very few of us are equipped to go the distance. Let's talk about that a little bit. I was listening to a podcast with my wife, Laura, and um, this is actually where the whole idea for the series came from. It's a a guy named Andy Stanley. He puts out a lot of great stuff, and he had a series called Staying in Love where a lot of these these thoughts, um, I first heard them put that way. And and one of the things he did is he referred to some research. He said, if if you want to be equipped to be in a relationship that's going to go the distance and and it's going to do really well, here's what you need. And, and you need massive doses of these things. You need to grow up in a situation where over an extended period of time, you have all of this poured into you in massive amounts. Respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, attendance, attend, attention, appreciation, approval, and affection. That's what we need. And, and fortunately, every one of us as a kid had all of this poured into us, right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but again, one of the reasons you're not going to get a beat down the next three weeks is we're just going to blame our parents. That's why. We're, <laughs> no, no, we're not going to beat them up either. We're, because if this is what we need for a healthy, life-giving, long-term relationship, almost all of us come into any relationship we get into with a deficit. We are deficient in respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, attendance, appreciation, approval, affection. So we get into that relationship and we say to them, give me, whether it's verbally or not, give me respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, attention, appreciation, approval, affection. And what are they saying? Give me all those things. Whether it's consciously or unconsciously. So do you see the makings of a problem here? Wow. Wow. No wonder relationships are so hard. And Andy Stanley put it this way. He said, you know, what what begins as a hug around the neck becomes a stranglehold. As we begin to demand these things, whether consciously or unconsciously, from the other person who's not equipped to give them to us. And so we really have a problem. And where that selfish part begins to torpedo us is when that selfish part says, this feels wrong. I need to find the right person. That's when we get into trouble. Um, Here's a a quote by relationship expert Kim Kardashian (laughs) that I think reflects kind of more than we want to admit our own mindsets as Americans. She says, I wouldn't have spent, she's referring to her marriage here to Chris Humphreys that lasted how long? 72 days. Um, She says, I wouldn't have spent, I can't even say this with a straight face. 
<laughs> I got through it the last one, uh, last hour. I wouldn't have spent so much time on something just for a TV show. Okay, I wouldn't have spent two and a half months on this marriage just for a TV show. Obviously, I gave it my, my best shot. You know, I, this is America, isn't it? This is America. At least it shouldn't be, but it is with too many people. Um, I, I, I look at us, and I look at how most Americans, we go into a restaurant and go, you're kidding me? It's Pepsi and not Coke, or it's Coke and not Pepsi? And we're all frustrated, you know? Or, or we, um, we, uh, uh, we, we have to stand in line. And, and I'm, I realize to myself, like, I'll be in a line, and it takes me about 30 seconds before I've got to pull up my smartphone, and I've got I to do something. Because this idea of standing in a line for a whole minute or two minutes without doing something, you've got to do something, you know? And, and so we have this idea. We have such a low threshold for discomfort. We have such a low threshold for discomfort. We feel entitled in this country. We are trained to feel entitled in this country to be discomfort-free. So it only makes sense that as our relationships aren't going as rightly as we think, we think, well, I obviously I'm in a relationship with the wrong person. And if I just got out of this and got into the relationship with the right person, then I'm going to get accept or respect and encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, attention, appreciation, approval, affection. And so, so many people, they get in this cycle, this cycle that they really don't want to be on. They really don't want to be on. If you want one of those, I can't wait to hear the garage door open relationships. I think that's what they call them. If you want one of those, or, or I'm so excited to see their number on caller ID, relationships that continues to feel that way, then hear these words of Jesus. Hear these words of Jesus. And they come in the form of a command. Notice this. They don't come in the form of, here's a suggestion. They come in the form of a command. And that's for our own good here. Because this is not something we're going to want to do. At least not the selfish part of this. The deeper part of you wants to do this. So Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you are also to love one another. By this, all people are going to know you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Now, is he talking specifically about marriage here? No, he's not. He's talk- this is that general sense again. So this is true for all of us. He says, I give you this new command, love people as, as I've loved you. Now, some of you who've read the Bible, you look at that and you go, new? This isn't new. What's he talking about new? Because you, right from the Old Testament, you back way back, Leviticus 19.18, says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, before he said these words, he, he reinforced that. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Greatest commandment of all, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and whole mind, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourself. So, so you look at this, you go, new? And Jesus even went beyond that. He said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So you look at this, you go, new? Well, here's the new part. And, and many of you are already way ahead of me here. The new part is this. He says, love one another. And then what does he say? Just as, just as, say it aloud, I have loved you. What happened to Jesus right after this? He was tried, he was arrested, he was crucified. What kind of love did Jesus demonstrate? His love was selfless. His love was sacrificial. His love was, Americans, you're going to hate this. Maybe you hate it in Germany too, I don't know. But, but, um, but it, it's unmerited, unmerited, undeserved. The recipients, us, we didn't deserve it. 
he loved first. It was, a, it was an initiating love. It was these kind of things. So Jesus is saying, here's the new commandment. You're ready for this. Love as I've loved you. Not as the world love. Love as I love you. And this is why I don't know. I mean, most, most people, if they went to Jesus for marriage counseling, <laughs> may not work out real well. They may not come back for a second visit. Because Jesus would say, all right, love one another. And, and they might look at Jesus and go, that's the reason we're here is because we don't love each other anymore. And, and, and that's our problem. And Jesus might say, yeah, that is a problem. Love one another. And they, they might say, Jesus, what are you talking about? We just told you we're not, we, we, we're not in love anymore. And that's when Jesus would pull out the toy train that he made in his carpentry shop. Okay, he may or may not. That's not in the Bible. But, um, but I, I, I'm going to pull out a toy train that my grandpa, Grandpa Tom, made for, for us kids. And, and I won't even claim that Jesus might do this. I'll just say I'm doing this. All right, here's an illustration. This is the, the engine right here. This is the engine of the train. And where does the engine of the train belong? It belongs most of the time. It belongs in the front, Right? The, the, the engine, and, and the engine, this is the commitment part. This is the commitment I'm going to love as Christ loved. And, and, and Jesus is saying, I'm giving you his command, love as I've loved. And that is going to pull your relationships where they need to be. Even if there's a big hill up ahead, this, this is going to pull your relationship to where you want to be. Well, the caboose is the feelings, all right? Specifically, let's call the caboose the in love stuff. Now, here's the funny thing about, the, about being in love. Your caboose has got a burst of rocket fuel. It does. When you are experiencing that in love feeling, it's powerful. It can pull you. In fact, it'll pull you so strong, you'll make the stupidest decisions of your life. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? It was for me. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. You will do things when you're in love, you're like... Was I thinking you will go against your brain? You will go against the people you trust the most. I'm sorry, for me it's different than I just you know. You're right. You make because it's powerful. Boom! This rocket fuel is is pulling you. But that rocket fuel only lasts so long. When they do this research and the studies, they say about six months is all you got, and then that that rocket fuel is gone. The in love part. So most Americans and a few Germans. Get, um, get, to, uh, get to this point in the relationship, rocket fuel's gone, they don't feel in love anymore, and they say, obviously, the problem here is I married the wrong person. Instead of saying rocket fuel's gone, now it's time for me to love as Jesus loved. And if you interviewed folks, if you found a couple who is going the distance. They are 25, 30, 40, 50 years in. And you look at them and they're still holding hands. And you look at them and they're still loving and affectionate to one another. Look at that. We got an example right here. And so you, you, um, if you talk to them, and we won't ask you right now, but maybe after service we can talk. Um, you talk to them. They might not talk about choo-choo trains, but what they will probably say is, we had to start making some decisions. You know, I had to start saying, I'm going to make a choice to love. I'm going to, I'm going to make a choice not to be a selfish. I'm going to listen more. I'm going to learn. And, and what they would also say if they've gone the distance, they'd also start to say, and you know what happened? This funny thing happened. 
I began to understand love greater. And, and maybe we, didn't, we don't always have the consistent passion fireworks that we had when we were rocket fueling. But now when I say, I love you, it means something even more. When I'm saying that, now we've got these years where it means I've, I'm there through thick and thin. I, I, I'm always going to be there. I, 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 I'm going to love you. I'm there richer for poor, better for worse. You know, it's just you and, uh, you and me, you know. And they're going to say that kind of love is better. That kind of love is better. When we love as Jesus taught us to, to love. You know, and, and this command that comes from Jesus that was given for, for people just in general, you know, Christians in general, to treat each other with, the early believers, they picked up and they said, yeah, this has got special application in marriage, including these words from the Apostle Paul. He says this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, specifically, submit to one another. He's going to talk, you know, this is going to lead into this discussion on marriage. Submit to one another out of who? Reverence for Christ. And for some of us, that's where it's going to have to start. You're not going to do it because you feel like it. You're not going to do it because you even want to do it. For some, this is where it's got to start. Okay, out of reverence for you, I'm going to obey your command, God. Wives, respectfully defer to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, out of reverence for God, wives, do this as unto the Lord. Husbands, do this as unto the Lord. And again, the, 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 the funny thing that starts to happen, you start out there, but you begin to realize, okay, I started out as to the Lord, but you can't outgive God. And this is the best shot we've got at restoring and bringing life to this relationship. It's so different. This is so different than what most of us have seen modeled. We've seen do unto others as they do unto you. We've seen do unto others as your feelings dictate. We've seen do unto others in a manner as to get your own way. So what Jesus commands, it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally. Which brings us to the last thing I encourage you to write down here today. Falling in love simply requires a pulse. Staying in love requires a what? Plan. It's not going to come naturally. So if you're just going to want to take your cue from your feelings, you're not going to stay in love. You're not. Not in this fallen world. Staying in love requires a plan. So what we want to do for the next two weeks is we're going to talk about this. It's a, it's, it's, the principles are simple. The application is incredibly challenging. In fact, so challenging you need God's help on this one. But here, here's what we're going to do the next two weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about this. How do you increase your capacity to love as Jesus loved? When you get on an airplane and they sit you down and they're going to take off, they, they go through the whole, hey, here's what you need to know stuff. What do they say you need to do with an oxygen mask if there's no oxygen in the cabin and that thing falls down? Who do they say to put it on first? Yourself. And that's, that's what we need to focus on next week is, is really, if you are going to be a person capable of staying in love, you need to be a person who is able to receive God's love. You need to be a person who's becoming healthier and whole inside so that you have something to offer the other person. So that's what we're going to look at next week. We're going to talk about that. How do, we, how do we become healthier people ourselves? Now, we can't wait until we're totally healthy because are you ever going to be a totally healthy person? <laughs> Free from all sin and all these guys? No, of course not. Um, so you have to do these at the same time. But as you're increasing your capacity to love as Jesus love, the next thing is then, and that's what we we'll look at in two weeks, how do you regularly extend that to your spouse? Because remember, they're, they're searching for those things. And the more you can pour some of those things into them, the more they're going to be in a spot to be able to return and pour things into you. So those are the two things we're going to try to focus on over the next two weeks. And, and can these 
transform a relationship? Yes. I know specific examples of specific people who their marriage appeared dead. Marriages where they had biblical grounds to leave. But watch how God restored and they have healthy, vibrant relationships. And can relationships go the distance? Yeah, they can. They can. And I've seen that too. But it starts with the choices we make now. Because if you have that picture of what you want, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a step in the right direction, right? And I had a chance to apply that, is, as is as almost always the case. Every time I'm going to teach on something, God says, all right, you can walk it out. So, so here's my, my latest little story. Um, this one ended a little bit better than the other ones, so, so that's good. Um, yesterday, uh, Shoreview, this area here in Shoreview, um, they have their cleanup day, Shoreview cleanup day. And one of the things on Shoreview cleanup day is if you have some junk, you can bring your junk to a place and they'll take your junk for cheaper than they normally would. So we had junk and we like cheaper. And so I, I, my, my job that day was going to be get the junk to the place where they'll take your junk for cheaper. And Laura had bought all these little flowers and pretty things, and she was her job that day was she's going to be, you know, putting the flowers and the pretty things into the ground and, and doing what you do there. So what we hadn't talked about is well, what about like eating and the kids and stuff like that. So so anyway, so we're so we're going through um, our day, and I, I I get my day started right. I thought it on the right foot. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make breakfast. I'm going to make breakfast, and that doesn't mean I'm going to set up milk and Cheerios. I'm going to be really extravagant. I'm, I got those um, Pillsbury little cinnamon rolls. <laughs> opened up the can and I put those in the oven. <laughs> I'm really going, scrambled some eggs and got some bacon. I'm like, all right, way to go. Great husband, great dad. All right, let's go do our stuff. So we're doing our stuff and, and I get all my junk together and I bring it to where we drop it off and, and I'm recognizing, you know, I'm getting a little hungry. You know, it's about lunchtime. I'm getting kind of hungry. So I'm just going to stop for something on the way back. And then the little voice inside my head, the good voice said, and you're going to get something for who? And oh, then the other voice on the other shoulder said, yeah, but I made breakfast. It's her turn, right? She can take care of that. And so I get to Rainbow, and I'm like, you know, no, 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 no. I'm going to listen to the, the good voice on this. And so bought some brats and, you know, some hamburgers and watermelon and this kind of stuff. And I brought it home, and, 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 and we had a little, set up the tablecloth on the picnic table, and, and we had a little, nice little time together. Well, the reason I tell that story is not to say, okay, Look at me because I'm this great example. I'm the person, and I've shared this very publicly, who my wife said is a rhinoceros. When she needed an animal to describe me, she called me a rhinoceros. And that was not a compliment. That was a, you trample me over, you can't see, you know, you you got a little brain, um, that kind of stuff. So so it was not a a compliment. So so this is not me trying to say, yeah, just look. But but, but here's here's why I'm bringing this example up, and I believe the, the Holy Spirit gave me this little prompting. When I was going into Rainbow, when I was going into Rainbow to buy the groceries, having just made a decision that I'm going to try to take a step towards what's good and what's right, on my, my way in, there was a, a gentleman coming out who was probably in his 80s, maybe 90s. And this gentleman coming out of the store had flowers in his hand. Ah, is right. And they could have been, for a lot of reasons, but in my cartoon bubble, <laughs> this, was a, this was a guy who after... 50 years of being married, still bringing home flowers. And my point in telling you this whole story is if you want to be the person coming out of the store with the flowers when you're 90, be the person going in to the store 
as selfless as you can. Asking God to, to just help you to do what he's asked of you. And perhaps, by the grace of God, many years later, you'll be the one coming out with the flowers. Or you'll be the one receiving the flowers. As God honors that, begins to change a heart and change a mind, and begins to build something in you that God had from the start. If you're married, you'll be tempted every day to say or do things that will torpedo you sailing off into the sunset. Also, every day, you'll have opportunities to do things that can get you one step closer to coming out a rainbow of flowers. Nagging will come more naturally. Stonewalling will come more naturally. Punishing one another will come more naturally. Threats will come more naturally. Those are the things that come naturally, and way too often, those are the things that, that I listen to and I, and I give in to. But what God wants to do is something supernatural. And again, that's why there won't be any beatdowns here. You know, because what we're going to do instead is we're going to say, God, would you do something supernatural in us? Would you change our minds? Would you change our hearts? And by your grace, will you either bring me into or restore or strengthen or help me to be a witness to other people by, by, by sharing your principles of something amazing? So with that end in mind, let's, let's, let's pray. Let's close our time together. Would you please stand and let's, let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us enough to say commandments when we need to hear commandments. Because, Father, you know, I'll be the first to confess that it's so much easier for me to listen to voices that, that sound fair, that sound just, that sound whatever. But, Lord, may the voice we listen to be your voice, one that is speaking words of life rather than death. And destruction. So, so, Father, I pray that you'd help us. May your spirit speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive this commandment. Not just in, in marriages, but with all believers. May we choose to love as you love. That the world may see that you are who you said you are. And may they see it in the relationships that result from us listening to you. And, Lord, I pray especially for... Well, I don't pray especially. I pray for everyone because we all need this. We need you to supernaturally do this in our lives. Whether it looks impossible and, and we need you to come and to, to change us and, and to change them, or whether it's, it looks doable and we're just deceived because we think we can just keep doing what we're doing and it's all going to be okay. So, Lord, wherever we're at, we pray that your, your spirit would pour into us this commandment, Lord, and help us to hear it and apply it and through your strength live it out that we may experience relationships as you uh, said they can be. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Hope to see you again soon.